0: Welcome to Doc2Doc to Doc Podcast. My name is Abbas Shafi, gastroenterologist. And
1: I'm Rob Hoyer, medical oncologist. This is a podcast about lifestyle medicine, disease prevention, and longevity. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not medical advice. Please consult your physician for individualized therapies. Please also check out our website at doc2doc.health. That's D-O-C number 2, D-O-C dot health. There you can leave us messages, make suggestions for future episodes, and ask us questions. And now, on to the show. The following is our conversation with Dr. Larry Cohen. Larry is an emergency department physician and is board certified both in emergency medicine and in lifestyle medicine. In this episode, Larry shares his reasons for getting involved in lifestyle medicine, both personally and professionally. We found his story both inspirational and educational and thought it would be great to have him on the show. So without further ado, Here's our conversation with Dr. Larry Cohen. Hi, everyone. Like I said in the intro, we're here with Dr. Larry Cohen, who's a ER physician, and just so excited, Larry, to have you on the show. And and uh, yeah, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, and your interest in lifestyle medicine?
2: Sure. Um, yeah. Um, like you said, I uh, emergency physician. I'm residency trained, board certified in emergency medicine. Um, I was uh, did my uh, residency training between. 85 and 88 after two years of being overseas as a general medical officer after my internship in the Air Force Um, and uh, from then I came up to the Air Force Academy I was up here for a couple years to finish my Air Force commitment and then uh, went down to Texas to help start an ER group down there and then came back uh, to Colorado Springs in 03 Um, that's uh, um, how I got my emergency medicine life Um, I got involved in a lifestyle medicine, um, and I can talk a little bit more why uh, um, and how, um, really in the early 2000s um, and got board certified in lifestyle medicine. I was uh, one of only three f- uh, physicians in Colorado to get board certified in lifestyle medicine in 2017. That was when they had their inaugural board exams. It was uh, myself and there was a family practice doctor up in um, Aspen and a uh, cardiologist over in the Western Slope. Uh, we were the first three to get in, to get board certified in the state. Now there's many, many
1: more. Could you share your story with us? And I've, I've, heard, um, I've heard it when we had coffee a couple times, and it's just an amazing story, and I think it would be something really um, both um, educational and inspirational for, the, for our listeners to hear. Um, it's quite, a, quite an amazing story, and, uh, yeah, if you, could go, if you could share that, I think we would just love that.
2: Sure. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, I'm a trained physician, and, uh, um, and I I know, you know, I, I take care of, you know, as an emergency physician, take care of all kinds of emergencies. Um, a lot of cardiac emergencies, uh, heart attacks and cardiac deaths, as well as every other emergency that could possibly occur. Uh, uh, possibly uh, be there. Of course, you know, I have oncologic mer- emergencies where I'd call Dr. Hoyer in the middle of the night or a GI, bad GI bleed call of Dr. Shafian in the middle of the night. Um, and uh, when I went to Days, I found out that consultants are a lot nicer during the day than at night. <laughs> <laughs> so, we try to be nice all yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you guys have always actually been very nice. Um, but the way I got involved in lifestyle medicine is, to be honest, I was arrogant about my health. Um, I had no real risk factors. My father uh, died at 68 of lung cancer, smoked since he was 12, but had catheter-proven normal coronary arteries. Um, Of course, he did not eat the way we eat today. You know, he he had a low-calorie diet pretty much and didn't eat any fast food or junk food or, um, you know, and so uh, for that, uh, I think he probably had good coronaries, uh, good coronary history. My mother, on the other hand, uh, also smoked probably, three to four packs a day uh, for over 20 years and just threw them away one day, um, eats terrible, and uh, she just had her 98th birthday.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, she
2: can't, she's, she, and her mind's pretty much there, but she really has no energy, she can't move around, she uh, lives with my brother. So, But I was arrogant about my health, I didn't have diabetes, high blood pressure, family history, I didn't have, I never smoked. Um, my only risk factor was I had high cholesterol. Ran about 240 to 280. Now the only vegetables I used to eat would be like the lettuce and onion and tomato on my burger, and the tomato would have to be ketchup. Mm-hmm. I would eat French fries as well. So, um, and so I really was arrogant that go nothing's going to ever happen to me, you know, just like most people think.
1: Do you think w- when you were growing up, like it was was health really ever discussed at all, or your your, your decision to be a doctor was that um, kind of curious here about that, and also just like when you were at home with your parents, um, was health ever really even thought about or was that just kind of like a, just something that was assumed and, and
2: Yeah, no, um, growing up, um, you know, uh, growing up in the uh, 50s and 60s at, at home, um, you know, first of all, fast foods weren't around. We did have a little burger place down in the corner, uh, but my mother was a nurse um, and I was exposed to a lot of physicians too. So I always wanted to be a doctor. Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a physician. Never thought about health, though. Um, and uh, we would, when my, you know, my mother would make, uh, you know, throw vegetables there. They were usually canned vegetables. that tasted awful. The only thing I really ate was the spinach. I like the spinach. Um, but that was about it. Um, but drank a lot of soda. Got really bad, though, when I got in high school. I wrestled. And my first year, my freshman year, I weighed 87 pounds, and 98 pounds was the lowest weight, so that was not a problem. Uh, but the next few years... Um, I was having to cut weight. Now, um, at lunch, we'd go over to a fast food place. I, I like to go over to uh, I, um, one place, uh, Carl's Jr. I'd get a Superstar with cheese, you know a double cheeseburger, fries, and a Dr Pepper or Coke or something like that. Um, my senior there year, though, my junior year, I was having to cut a, a couple pounds every week. My senior year, I was about the same size I am. Five foot six. Um, wrestling the 115-pound weight class. And I was losing about 8 pounds a week to make weight. And that was watching what I ate over the weekend. And I would just not eat or drink anything for the next 3 or 4 days. As um, as, long as, And I knew as long as I was within 2 pounds the day before, I'd lose those 2 pounds overnight. Uh, my, my very last match was on a Thursday. And they weighed us in on Thursday morning. And as soon as I weighed in, I just drank and drank and drank as much water as I could. I ate and ate till I was stuffed. And then I remember how much... You know, and I wrestled that night. Um, so that was on a Thursday, 115. The following Monday, I weighed 145. Wow. Gained 30 pounds. Now, a lot of that was water weight because I sure. was very, very dry. was quite a beast, though. Um, Wow. And then, of course, the, the league finals were the following Saturday. And uh, I asked my mom, who was a nurse, can you get me some water pills? And she said, no. <laughs> and so I didn't make weight. But what's really funny is I went to the league finals. This is in California. Uh, I went to you know I went to the practice to go to state, and I could beat I couldn't beat the guy who's my best friend on my team one weight above me, but two, three, and four weights above me. The guys that won the the league, I could beat them all. When I was strong, I wasn't weak, and right. um, so it was very frustrating. And so the you know and so I kept you know um, basically that was it. I got into you know I went to college uh, pre med right after high school. Uh, unfortunately, I got into involved in skydiving and flying, and um, and skydiving kind of took over for me, and I, I, I'd take classes and cut them, but I mean, I, nothing but junk food, nothing but restaurant, you know, and, and nothing green, it was all, all brown, um, and then I decided after a few years, if I want to be a doctor, I better, you know, change my lifestyle, and uh, at least go, go back to college, so I did that, um, I went to respiratory therapy school, because I thought if I didn't get into medical school, I'd have a good you know, medical uh, uh, career. And so um, from, this is in Southern California, and I went to Loma Linda. Uh, they had a four-year, there was one of the few uh, colleges that had four-year degrees in in, um, in uh, respiratory therapy. And uh, my, one of my friends said, you know, that's an Adventist university. Ah, I have no idea what that means, but uh, I found out that the Adventists don't eat very, uh, the, you know, the, the the Eat a vegetarian diet, and so I didn't see much of in the cafeteria to eat. So I wound up going to Del Taco or McDonald's, it was never to eat. Um, uh, which is uh, funny because if you're familiar with the Blue Zones, Loma Linda is one of the five yes. Blues, you know, in the yeah. Blue Zones where people live to be 100 and still active. Um, so um, so I, I met my wife and when I was in college, and she was an on and off vegetarian, and so. Um, we, I went to medical school of um, course what do you do when you're studying you eat junk food you know yep. potato chips and ho-hos and ding-dongs and drink Cokes and things like that um, so and the weight started slowly coming on because I waited, stayed at that 145 for quite a while um, at least through my skydiving career <laughs> So um, and then um, you know uh, I did notice that I was getting heavier um, but didn't really think much of it. Never exercised. In fact, my wife, uh, one year from my birthday, she bought me a treadmill. Very <laughs> 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 so. I think I got on it once or twice. We wound up selling it a couple of years later. And she liked to run, and so, uh, um, so after after residency, um, uh, and a, a good story there. One of the. Uh, I used to like the uh, old uh, Jack in the Box tacos. They were deep fried with a meat-like substance in the middle, you know. And um, there was a Jack in the Box right across from our, from Wilford Hall, uh, where my did my ER residency. And on Tuesdays they had three tacos for a dollar. So one of the, my attendings loved those too. So we bought like 90 tacos. We each threw, them. <laughs> love it, and we'd, we'd give some of them out, but. Uh, um, so when I came, you know, after, after, college, after I got out of the Air Force, went, like I said, went down to Texas to help these guys start a, a group down in Amarillo. Um, and I remember at work I had my double cheeseburger and my uh, chili fries there and my big Coke, and one of the nurses comes by and says, you know, that stuff's going to kill you. And I laughed, ha, ha, ha. But I was thinking in my mind, well, if I die a few years early, that's okay because I'm enjoying this now. You know that's not only selfish; it's stupid. Um, uh, plus, I was arrogant again, like I said about about my health. Nothing's going to happen to me. And um, I was about uh, 45. I got on the uh, uh, got on the scale, and at work one night at 197, and I said, "Oh, if I hit 200, I'm officially." that, you know, in my mind. I didn't even like looking at myself in the the mirror uh, as well. Um, So uh, I told my wife, let's join a gym, get in shape, lose some weight, you know, and uh, she rolled her eyes at me because that's what wives do when husbands say stupid things. Because through the years we join a gym but never go. It so happened though, they had a program for a couple hundred dollars uh, for six weeks to get with a nutritionist once a week and a trainer once a week. And so she put me on the, uh, on a Calorie restricted diet, and I'd weigh out my little piece of meat, but now I'm eating vegetables. My Instead of having six or seven sodas a day, I'm just drinking water. Um, and I'm working out six days a week. And I was doing so well after three weeks, she says, I want to put you on the shred. I go, What's this? Now, this is 1990, 1999. Okay, so uh, she goes, uh, It's where you can eat as much protein as you want, just no carbs. And I thought I died and went to heaven. And I was, remember uh, meeting my, our, my son who was going to uh, college in, uh, in Arizona. Uh, we met in New Mexico to go uh, skiing, and they just happened, it was in the spring, and they happened to have a barbecue pit out there, and they were flipping burgers, you know, and said, give me three burgers, no bun, and I could only eat one of them. I mean, and actually, the 24 hours onto that diet... Um, I had no energy, you know, I'd go to the gym, and I was doing weights, but I'd go on the treadmill or stair stepper for about 10 minutes beforehand, I had no energy to do it, you know, just from, I mean, 24 hours of really no carbs, and so um, I wound up, uh, you know, losing, uh, you know, after a week, she said, how to go, I go, terrible, I mean, I was, I'd lost my appetite, was the, I was in a ketoacidotic state, yeah. and i I was poisoning myself, really. So uh, after which I how to go, I'd go, put me back on the other diet, because I don't like this. And over the next few months, I, I stayed like that. Um, I lost uh, almost 60 pounds. Uh, my cholesterol went from uh, 280 to 170. I even told my wife, I'm glad I changed my lifestyle, because I'm in the best you know, in the best shape that I ever was. I'm, something bad was gonna happen. Um, and so over after a year, I, I cut out red meat completely. I was just eating salmon. Because um, uh, we had this little smoker, and I would smoke, you know, and it was great. Uh, eating vegetables, I was using olive oil fairly liberally, probably too liberally. But over the next few years, you know, working out six days a week, you know, 10% body fat, um, doctors and in, in, you know, forgot how I used to be. And tr- uh, my wife liked to do marathon or wanted to do a marathon. She liked to run. I started running, doing races with her, and it was fun. And so, uh, um, so there was a marathon in January of 03, um, in, uh, actually, yeah, January of 04, um, in, uh, um, uh, uh, Phoenix. And so, uh, I told my wife, I signed up for the marathon. She goes, I want to at least do a half marathon first, but we signed up for both of it. But uh, actually before that, I said, the marathon's too much. I got kind of have bad knees let's do a triathlon, trained, and we can do short, a short one, runs only three miles, you know, and she was a little nervous about the swim because this, um, I said, well, we'll, we'll join a master spin, s- swim team. So we're tra- while, while I'm training for that, this is an O2. This, uh, this is like fall of O2. I had, I had symptoms, enough symptoms, uh, in fact, I got on the treadmill, uh, we went to the spin class, and I had this feeling of impending doom. We hear about that, you know, we talk about that. About 10 minutes into it, I didn't have pain or anything, but everything was going black on me. I was had this terror; something was bad was about to happen. I got, I mean, I panicked. I got off the bike, you know, composed myself, told my wife, uh, came back in and said, "I'm going to go over the ER and just do a, a EKG." And she goes, "Okay, we'll go." And of course, the EKG is normal because um, the symptoms have passed. Now let's go back and get on the treadmill. So I get on the treadmill, and now I get jaw pain, chest pain, and arm pain. And so I'm thinking, so this is what a heart attack feels like. So I stopped and went away, called a cardiologist friend of mine, and he goes, uh, oh, Larry, you're in great shape, you know, because I'm 10% bad. I go, he goes, what's your risk factor? I go, my cholesterol used to be high. Oh, you're fine. I go, no, you need to do a stress test on me today. And so he does, and I went 17 minutes on it, which is pretty good. And he goes, it looked pretty good. At the end, there was something a little bit funny. I think it was artifact but watch your exercise and take these pills. Despite being a cardiologist as a friend, and the way I looked, he could not imagine anything could be wrong with me. And so I even said, "Shouldn't we do a cardiac catheterization?" And he says, "Okay." So we scheduled that for three days later. And I was working nights, and we're sitting in his office. We're sitting before the cath in the morning in, in the waiting room. And I'm telling my wife, "At the worst, I'll have to have a bypass." And yeah, I'm Eeyore. I'm doom and gloom, and my wife's very up. You know, she says, "No, at the best, you know, it, it's going to be great. It's going to be normal. We'll go out and celebrate." And I think at that time, we'd been married about 24 years. And in those 24 years, I'd never been right about anything until then, <laughs> you know? So he does the cath, and he didn't, I, I, said, I don't need sedation. I saw the first, the first picture, and I could see there was a big blockage in the LAD, uh, the left anterior descending artery. And then he goes, oh, there's another one. It was a place where they couldn't do a, a, a stent. He says, there's a trifurcation, but if I extend it, I'm going to cut off another artery, and you're going to have a heart attack bring my wife in and she even looked him in the eye and said is there anything he can do diet-wise and he snaps back at her no and so um I, i'm just to i can count down don't you know we're okay <laughs> we'll go have the, the surgery and so um that was on thursday we scheduled the surgery for saturday morning um of course because i'm a doctor there's an there's a complication he actually did me a uh, beating heart it didn't put me on a bypass pump um and so I uh, could two the vessels with the artery uh, into a mammary artery, and vein was a third, vein was a, a third vessel. Well, I kept wake I woke up and I kept telling there's something wrong some you know, they go, Dr. Cohen, it's just a the chest tube I go, no, there's something wrong. It hurts too much. Just push the morphine button, you know, and finally uh, finally, uh, some blood starts draining and. I hear her say, he said, he said, keep an eye on it. Next thing I know, he's up there squeezing blood in me. I look, my blood pressure's, uh, you know, uh, like 70 over 50, and uh, my heart rate's 160. And uh, uh, and so they had to take me back emergently. What happened was one of the little clips on one of the veins came off, and so the it was tamponade. bleeding. Yeah, and I was in a tamponade. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, the next morning, when I woke up, I felt fine. I said, "Take the morphine pump out. I don't need it. You know, Mm -hmm. that doesn't hurt that bad." And but I did remember um, work done by Dean Ornish on on plaque regression in a plant-based diet. So um, that's when I started, and that's that was February two thousand three. And so, and so we uh, we completely went plant-based, you know, low fat. Uh, On on his diet, you know, on his regimen, it was um, you know less than ten percent of calories come from fat. Basically, no added fat, no added oils, no refined foods, things like that. Um, And so, it's interesting because my cardiologist wanted to do a nuclear medicine scan a couple months later, just because of the complication, make sure everything's okay, and it shows there's still blockage there. A year later, I actually went down to the Cooper Clinic in Dallas. I wanted to be someplace where they didn't know me. There's no bias, and they do all all kinds of stuff. I mean, you stay in there in the hotel. They come by uh, and offer you uh, 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 enemas for your if you want. If you're <laughs> going to get the colonoscopy. You know, your, <laughs> your uh, uh, yeah, yeah. actually, actually, they, did, they just did uh, sigmoidoscopy. <laughs> but uh, I said no. I'm not doing that <laughs> at this time. Anyway, so uh, um, but I, I had a nuclear medicine. Scan, completely normal. And I do fly, and every year I have to have, for for the FAA, uh, I have to have a stress test, which um, I always pass with flying colors. Um, So that's how I got involved in uh, Lifetime, and and researching it from then on and seeing, gosh... um, uh, I was asked uh, by a, a pastor at this church um, if I could teach this program called CHIP. Then it was called the Coronary, Art, a Coronary, Coronary Health Improvement Project. And it started in the late 80s, I think. It was a canned lecture. Um, it was four, week, four nights a week for four weeks. And every time, you know, people basically we have me, uh, you know, a healthy, low-fat Whole food plant based diet. we did tell them, you know, just for this month, just no animal products at all, you know. And then if you want to have a little bit of meat, you know, that's fine afterward. But and they'd lose. We have an average of about seven pound weight loss. Um, we'd have some people lose twenty plus pounds. Some people lose a little bit. Um, some people didn't follow quite. But the average we had every every program we did about twelve of them. We did them two, twice a year. Um, every program we'd have. Uh, somebody would tell me about the, within the first week that they can't eat like that because they can't, every time they stand up, they feel like they're going to pass out and take their blood pressure and be 110 over 50, you know, and, and they're on like two or three blood pressure medicine. And they say, you need to talk to your doctor about getting that. Uh, one guy, uh, because we do blood work before and after, I get called, I told him about some critical labs, the lab called me about, his uh, triglycerides uh, were over 3,000. Now we want them under 150, over 500 is considered critical. Um, and his cholesterol was 440, and he was on, t- uh, on two oral uh, diabetic medicines, and his blood sugar was 290. And I said, listen, you need to see your doctor. I was really concerned about his lab, especially those triglycerides. And it's kind of plethoric, and he thought, well, I'd like to uh, at least try this, you know. about two, three nights into it, you know, he goes, you know, I'm starting to think more clearly. Um, and it, uh, it, the, we, did show, we do show a, a video of a hamster pouch under a microscope live uh, with the blood flow through the capillaries and give it a fatty meal and how the blood, the cap, the blood just uh, sludges through and doesn't move. Mm. And so um, at the end of four weeks, his triglycerides went from over 3,000 to 125. His cholesterol dropped 300 points from 440 to 140. And he stopped his two diabetic medicines. I think his fasting blood sugar was like 115 or something like that, uh, and that was in four weeks. And the the man and he lost 20 pounds. Um, so, I and I would start telling, but people would tell me that their arthritis got better, uh, their reflux seemed to get better. Um, I had one lady; she was diagnosed with um, uh, uh, MS, and her doctor wanted her on medicine based on her on her scan she's a very smart lady so she did some research um, there was been research on plant based diets and ms and actually the university of oregon is doing uh, some research on that right now and they're very impressed with what's going on but this was like uh, almost 15 years ago she did, went through that she never went on the medicine her neurologist says i still need to ask you one although i know you don't need it and i don't know you don't want it <laughs> Um, so and and so a lot of autoimmune diseases can be helped. I mean, not everything can be helped with it, um, you know. But we do know about eighty percent of our chronic diseases and up to forty percent of our cancers are lifestyle related. Um, so um, it's made, So I, I, I kept saying, you know, this shouldn't be called the coronary health improvement project because it's not. Just, it could be the blood pressure. It could be the obesity. It could be the auto. You know, whatever. And they have changed the name now, not because of me, to the complete health improvement program. So. Um, it's a good program. They're all over the country,
1: um, but I haven't taught one for a few years. So, so when you were in that coronary unit and recovering from your heart surgery, could you tell us what it was like? And what, did you make the decision then and there? And what was your motivation? Was it your your family? Your wife your just desire to live longer you thought this might be this might be it i'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna survive you know let alone a few days maybe maybe not even a year from now
2: right yeah it it, it it is a life-changing episode um i i love my family and i love living and i was enjoying my life um so much i go i gotta do whatever i would do anything have to keep have to go through that again um, and and it's interesting because I'll see people in the emergency department that um, will have these they'll have these terrible diseases and they won't change their lifestyle they'll they'll take they'll, they, they think we as physicians can cure things and so they just uh, they'll keep adding more Other and pills. more pills more and more uh, medicines and for me I didn't want that and uh, and I can see you know how some people just I, here's a good example. In the emergency room, we don't have much time to talk to people. This guy, 28 years old, comes in. I diagnosed him with new onset uh, diabetes. And I started him on some medicine, and I told him about some lifestyle changes he could do. And He looked at me and said, I'd rather take the pill. Okay. Well, when about a year later, I had a guy come in. He weighed about 340 pounds. His wife was uh, in the upper 200s. Early 30s, they had a couple of kids, like a 7- and 9-year-old, beautiful family. And he comes in, basically he had an abscess. he had a perirectal lab, mm-hmm. so he had, you're going to have to go have surgery. But I get his lab, his blood sugar's over 500, and I told him, you have diabetes. And he said, well, I was concerned about that. My mother had it, and she had all kinds of problems with it, heart attack, she lost a leg. And so we were the busiest emergency department in the state of Colorado, and I sat down there on a busy night for 30 minutes talking to these people. Because I remember what happened last time. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be getting excited. I could tell, I could look in both their eyes, you know that they're getting excited. I think I'm getting through to them. And finally, he says, "You know, but I love my meat." And he said that. I looked at his wife, and like he took, it's like he took a knife and stabbed her in the chest. You love your meat more than us, you know. And and that's it. I mean, I that's how I was. I if I die a few years early, I'm enjoying this now. Um, the thing is, I enjoy eating as much now, if not more. Uh, than before, and um, so it's, uh, it, it it was, you know, it was uh, eye-opening, and I would do anything to have to go through that again, that's when I remembered the Ornish uh, uh, research, and then did more research on that, and um, and just, even today, it's amazing, there was a, an article, um, uh, probably about 15 years ago, it said a high-fiber diet uh, cut down all, Cause mortality, and it's not just not car, its not uh, uh, cardiac. We don't know why, but it has to come from whole food. It has to have whole grains and, and legumes. <laughs> And at that time, I don't think they really knew much about the biome, the, the, mm. the bacteria in the gut. And and now we see more and more, we're seeing why that is at the high-fiber foods. And people say, well, where do you get your protein? And I mean, I'm fairly muscular looking, you know. I said, you know, so I'm not I, So where do you get your fiber, you mm-hmm. know? So, mm-hmm.
0: How do you feel overall <clears throat> compared to, say, the... It's sort of when they were worse out of shape, and then after you went like a year or two years of a good diet not not just physical or all thinking wise or just feeling good about yourself how do you felt sort of two different contrast
2: times yeah. well um, you know I, I was eating you know i was eating i was eating what we consider probably you know after, every, diet yeah mediterranean yeah, diet mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, and had i not done that i would have dropped over dead the thing is it did not uh, arrest the plaque, slow, slow pack, mm-hmm. the plaque roast that I had, um, but it probably stabilized it. Um, and I mean, I would have been up there skiing one day, and I, you know, on my old day, and I would have been 45 years old and a big old heart attack on, this, on the mountain. The exercise um, de- definitely played a good por- part of that as well. Um, and I've seen people, I remember one night, this is very, these two guys come in, exact same EKGs, having a heart attack. Okay, I mean you could have switched them, and in the inferior heart, part of the heart was was, was uh, EKGs were identical. One guy worked out, exercised every day. The other guy no exercise. The one that exercised, you wouldn't even know he's having a heart attack talking to him. The other guy looked like he was on death's door. Um, so um, uh, for me, um, they both are very important, and so I needed to. Um, and that's why we're life the American lifestyle medicine and all the what they find you know it's not alternative medicine it is straight uh, uh, it is uh general medicine it is uh there's nothing you know there's no you know it's not based on rat studies or or what we think this might be it's, it's based on good science um uh, both uh, you know uh, typical experimental science as well as uh, uh, population uh, observations and things like that um, so um, if you look at uh, like, uh, the like American college of, uh, American cardiac uh, American College of Cardiology um, American Heart Association in their guidelines for in, in their guidelines for cholesterol right number two you know lifestyle you know yet most physicians don't know how to do it and most physicians don't have the time to even, talk about it Um, uh, there's the University of South Carolina uh, I think it's University of South Carolina uh, that that has uh, all four years of their medical school now they have a a lifestyle medicine track that everybody has to take Um, and so it's it's starting to get out there people are starting to learn even some of the new cardiologists that I that have come to our our pro or to our hospital here at UC health um, are very aware of lifestyle and how important it is and how important, you know, eating a healthy diet is. Uh, some of the older cardiologists says, that's ah, all genetics, it doesn't matter what you eat.
0: Yeah, I'm traveling around the world, when you come here is really shocking. One, even going to medical school and see, unfortunately, even today's, we agreed in the last year to go to the doctor's lounge, how poorly the nutrition in the hospital as well as the physician, and I think if you do not know that, how could you teach it? And you have to be yeah. patient believe it. And then I see a lot of patients that you know we start with reflux and obesity, liver problems, and they end up with cancer and heart attack. So it's a, it's, a, it's a, I think it's the food industry and the culture and fast paced has created this. And I'm, and I'm so glad that people like you and you know it takes a turning point for people to about the, to to change this culture, change the thing that you know you cannot just eat. That die and, and just live happily ever after, and then taking me four or five pills. But at some point you need to do something for yourself, and yeah. and so here that how beautifully you have done so many years, and and you know and it's and it's doable. A lot of people says oh, I cannot do it. There's a point of no return. If you think gain weight too much, you cannot in the joint. But I think. It's so wonderful, and has your experience now been with this lifestyle medicine you've been doing for two, since two
2: thousand oh, no, well, six I, y- yeah uh, yeah i I started teaching that class uh, back then yeah. but um the only income I, mm-hmm. I I receive is from my emergency medicine mm-hmm, work, I which I actually um retired from the ER uh, a year ago um but uh, it, but I started doing this, uh, the walk with a doc oh, in 2017, I see. Um, almost six years ago, well five and a half years ago. Walk with a doc is a great program because um, in cor- it basically in cor- it gets people out there to walk. Uh, Dr. David Sabger of uh, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, started the. He's a cardiologist and trying to get his patients to walk because we know you know the mantra now is you know exercise is medicine. Um, and so uh, he said, okay, if you meet me in the park, I'll walk with you. And he had 100 patients show up. That's and awesome. since then, when we started, there were about 270 chapters. Now there's over 500, and they're worldwide. And, um, you know, everybody can you give a little, a few minute, you know, a five, ten-minute talk beforehand uh, on whatever, you know, health subject. I tend to uh, try to keep... Uh, uh, lifestyle medicine uh, related even even for instance with COVID um, it's been shown that people that eat as essentially a plant-based diet or, or you know a pescatarian diet um, they have a 70% less chance of being hospitalized or or dying uh, from COVID uh, it's not to protect you, pr- protect you but you, you've, you're, you've just built up your immune system so well. <laughs> Um, and uh, you know, I guess I'm a perfect example. I um, I got COVID when I was, I guess, 67, uh, early in early yeah. on, you know. And I was fatigued for a few weeks, and had, a, but I never, I never got a cough. I never had a fever. I never had, a, you know. But uh, um, I got over it uh, pretty. That was before there was a vaccine. So,
1: do you ever feel? Not sure what the right word is. Do you feel? Is it bitter, or just feel like a lot of doctors kind of miss the miss the boat with lifestyle medicine, or how we treat patients in the ER? You see folks coming in all the time with heart attacks or uh, symptomatic, you know, diabetes, infections, all the uh, all the, the gamut of things. I, I don't I don't get
2: bitter. I'm not upset with physicians in general because most of them we've never been trained. You know our medical school is in cutie. Yeah, it's not. We're not we're not trained to treat to um, uh, to prevent. We're trained to treat. You know, a hundred years ago, you know, medicine basically took care of trauma. You know, so you hear somebody got hurt. You know, you bandage them up. Um, uh, you know until uh, uh, we got uh, you know until we developed good sanitation and antibiotics. Um, you know, people, we, uh, it's interesting, there was, I read a uh, study, people that were born in 1900, uh, had a lifespan of about 40, 45 years, something like that. If the people that were born in 1900, the ones that made it to 20, that, that out, that didn't die as children from infectious diseases, uh, we've, we've we we maybe added seven years of life to, you know, and that's basically, you know, and, and and we the thing is we've got great medicines we've got great procedures um you know it's uh, uh, but but sometimes you know you go in I've got high blood pressure you know doctor doesn't have much time uh, and the way the insurance pays and things you know you don't have much time to do anything except for you know write a prescription um you know most physicians will tell you try to eat better and go out and exercise um there has to be more motivation you know um uh, I like the idea of writing a prescription uh, say okay eat three pieces of fruit a day um, go walk 30 minutes a day you know and 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 do that and uh, um, you know there's just unfortunately there's no money you know for and people you know especially today these guys come out of medical school half a million dollars in yep. debt yep. you know and uh, payment isn't all good disease management. Yeah.
0: yeah. When I, I am very historian, I like to read history of medicine and some of the people like I've seen all things when I read their books and it, it essentially that when, of course at that time they did a lot of house visits, one of the things he, he was, they asked me, so how you wonderfully, you know, the patient, he says, when I go around there, I look around to see what he's been eating, how his lifestyle is. That's easy. I can tell him yeah. what's wrong with him and the older physician went back home when he went there. Before they ask you things, that they they ask you what you eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, yeah. and then they give you a menu, to what you eat. Then was the medicine. But mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, I think post-World War II, which are more abundant food, more abundant, you know, the lifestyle has, you know, got sort of everybody expect to have the dessert after every dinner and all of that. And they think that people, they want to just continue with that, and they do not pay attention to that. And of course, with... The, involve a lot of good medicine, whether it's reducing the acid or bring, bring the blood pressure down. I think people, they won't take it as you said, take the pills and not to do that. But I think we, it's, it's time for us to reverse the whole things. And I think as lifestyle medicine, as all the physicians and medical school, I think start from the training to do those things. So the medicine or procedure will be the, the last thing we do. But uh, but it yeah. is, uh, it is I think, uh, it is it's something as whole country, I think everybody should be um, taught to do as a patient as well as the doctors and then, then continue with that.
1: Yeah the the obesity epidemic is pretty it's pretty fascinating when you look at the if you look at the from nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties to today and have one of those um moving maps that we can see on you can see it on Twitter or different internet sites. We'll we'll post one in the in the show notes and it's really it's dramatic to mm-hmm. see just how from the eighties and nineties to today, where we're at, and vast majority of our state of the states have m- va- rapidly increasing obesity rates. Um, mm-hmm. You know, much more so than the prior thirty years. So, yeah. what's going on there? Yeah, it's. I think the
2: CDC has a good. Um, you know, you go from year to year to year, and it just um, it's, it's a good download. So, and also other
0: countries like the countries like Mexico, even. The, you know, even in Middle East countries, that this has become like an export of American diet. And and you see the pictures before or after, or even Taiwan or other places. You see that this is, unfortunately, it becomes like contagious things to, to go all around. And, you know, living with burgers and hot dogs and sodas particularly. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to cost not this country, many other countries, lots of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, so financial peers. burden, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 it's very confusing for everybody, even for physicians. For example, JAMA had an article about five or six years ago uh, about fat and cholesterol. Maybe it's not that big a deal, you know. And they did; uh, it was a review of the literature. And I started looking at some of the uh, literature they were looking at. Some of them had nothing to do with low fat and things like that. One was a really good article. It was part of the national nurse, uh, the Nurses' uh, Health Study. Um, and it said, does a low-fat diet prevent heart disease or a recurrence of breast cancer in women? And the answer was no. But then you read, if you read through it, and it said, well, um, it, the author said, well, we wanted to get our low-fat under 20%. They had 29%, the high-fat was, uh, was 36%. So they didn't really have a low-fat diet. Where that 30% comes from, people will say 30% is considered low-fat, 20 to 35%, that's a big range. But the American uh, Academy of Sciences and I think uh, NIH or a couple other groups got together in the early 80s to try to stem this obesity epidemic. And they said, well, what do we need to do? Well, we need to lower the fat intake in people. Okay, well, the average American gets 43% of the calories from fat. And they looked, well, the Japanese in the 70s had no heart disease, diabetes, or um Obesity, and they got 13% of the calories come from fat. And they go, well, we can't ask Americans to do that, so they dropped it down. They split the difference at 30%. And at the time, they said, we don't know if this is, if this is it. But that's what people use as low-fat diets, you know, in their in their studies. So you're not going to see really good um, good results, you know, lifestyle-wise. I like to look at it this, you know, if you drive a car into a brick wall at 100 miles an hour, you're dead. You drive a brick wall. Uh, you drive into a brick wall at 50 miles an hour. You're dead. You drive a your car into a brick wall at 10 miles an hour. You're gonna walk away. Mm-hmm. You know. So we, you know we don't know where that is. But the 30 percent is not. You know. Uh, you, you can eat 30 percent of calories come from fat. But if you're eating healthy foods, mm-hmm. when you start eating all these refined, you know, like carbohydrates, we we get our diabetics off off their diabetes. Diabetes medicine, it's 70%. They're eating 70% of the calories come from carbs, but from whole foods, nothing processed. Um, that's the big difference. So, even in, uh, the uh, Journal of American College of Cardiology a few years ago had a great study. Um, they showed a healthy plant food diet versus an unhealthy plant foods mm-hmm. diet with a standard diet. And the unhealthy plant food diet didn't do much better than the standard diet for heart disease, where the healthy plant food diet you know, did, did great. Um, so when I see 300 pound vegans in the emergency department, you know, I know they're not eating healthy and cause the majority of vegans do it for ethical reasons and, and that's fine. Um, but they're not helping themselves necessarily. They use a lot of uh,
0: carbohydrates and mm. processed food. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things that when I look at American literature, it's all done for a short period of time. Right. But when you look at, if you want to look at as they with blue zone, just observation, mm-hmm. go through the cultures. How they live, the longevity, and the, is it just a, a whole lifestyle? I was talking to one of our cardiologists, is a you know physician with a lot of good some good health diet, but they have a lot of plaques, It's like the stress of being on call, the stress of, says when people are on stressful jobs. That by itself is a huge risk of today's lifestyle. Yep. So, so I think you just need to take the whole life as you know preventive medicine and just everything you do every day works and look at some of the older cultures, some of the blue zone life or things like that, and incorporate it in our reasonable diet and go forward, exercise, as we mentioned before, stress, you know, sleep, um, hydration, and avoiding from this processed food. I think this processed food and yeah. stress today is, is horrible right? yeah. Yeah, the and whole, whole, uh, in the whole culture in the United States.
1: I think it's fair to say the whole low-fat diet, fad fat of the 80s and 90s was just a dismal failure. Yeah. I mean, not, what, even, not even help. I think it was actually more harmful than right. helpful. Well, here's
2: a perfect example. There was this company um, They made a cracker, and they said, what can we do to get this low fat? So they tried all these different permutations and recipes. Nothing tasted good. And then one brilliant guy in the company said, why don't we just add 100 calories of honey to it? That's how honey grams came. It said 50% less fat. Well, it's the same amount of fat, but by calorie count, it's 50% less. So, um, it, you know, it's all, you know, and then here, try, here, honey, try this new graham cracker. It's low fat. He goes, no, nah, I don't want to do it. And then he eats this honey graham cracker. Mm, that's good. He can eat the whole box, you know? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And sometimes I see this actually with my celiac patient, That thing for just to go to oral, uh, you know, what is good, what's not. Sometimes this patient, they, they say, well, I have celiac. Then. I, Perfect example. One of our nurses at the, uh, you know, um, the hospital. She, she had all kinds of. The, they thought she has IBS, feeling fatigue, tired, not gaining weight, and anyway, for for one reason, came to me and we discovered and, and we perhaps bi- proven celiac. I saw her in six months. She was overweight. I said, "I says, what you have done?" He says, "You told me I have celiac." And now on celiac free diet, but she was got cookies, bread, anything was celiac. She thought is healthy,
2: Yeah.
0: and she was just eating this consuming of this global amount of there was a, a, you know gluten free diet. That's <laughs> the calorie is still the calorie. The food is still the you got to have, you know, because it was, and of course there's some of them. There's a lot of process into it. it just okay. she consumed. She was trying, knew every single candy that was gluten free. She knew about okay. everything. <laughs> she made it, it says, oh, I says, but overall, it still is calories. Still is process you need. And sometimes you see it with yeah. people with vegan or vegetarian, yeah. they do the same thing. Yeah. The thing because it's you know. You know, it's impossible. Burger is tasty; it has no meat in it. It's good, but you have to be <laughs> in everything you do. Be you know, reasonable and yeah. still. The that those things are
1: sixty percent fat. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, last question: uh, Did you? Did you? So, did you do the tri- triathlon or perhaps other? I, now. I wanna he uh, Larry has an Ironman shirt on, so it sounds like yeah. there was some some, yeah. that, some uh, pretty, uh, 2007, yeah. so. So
2: I think it was four months after the surgery, my wife and I did our first triathlon. Uh, she actually got second in her age group, and nice. I I finished. Our second triathlon was out in California. It, she got first in her age group, and I finished. Wow. And then the following January, which is just uh, 11 months after surgery, we did our first triathlon. Uh, uh, marathon down in phoenix and uh uh we've done a lot and and then yes i did a lot of triathlons i did done two Ironman, man uh, a lot of shorter races and, and mid races um personally right now i i don't like doing those long races um uh for me a half marathon is about the longest i, I want to do I, I don't know how healthy it is to to go farther especially some of the i, I know a lot of guys that that did a lot of marathons when they were younger and then they have no knees. Now, I had knee surgery when I was 18 on both knees, 18 and 19, Um, and so they were always sore a little bit. Never, uh, before I started running, I got x-rays to make sure I didn't have bone Mm. on bone. And I noticed that after I changed my diet, it could have been part of the weight loss, um, but it's also a very anti-inflammatory diet, um, I could run, and my knees really didn't bother me. It used to, they used to swell up after running. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that was or skiing, um, and that was. Uh, uh, but yeah, so we've done a lot of races. Um, the nice things about signing up for a race, even if like coming up is, is Thanksgiving turkey trots, just train for it. You know, if you sign up for the race, you're going to train for it, even if you don't train that great. But you know, the biggest thing is to get out and try to do at least 30 minutes a day. Uh, you know. When I, you know, we t- say 30 minutes of, uh, a day, you know, 150 minutes a week of moderate exercise or uh, 50, 50, or uh, 15, or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise. For me, I like to tell people, well, what's the difference? They go, moderate, you can talk but not sing. You know, so it's a brisk walk, uh, you know, uh, vigorous, you know, you, can, uh, you can't talk or sing while you're doing it. Um, but uh, walking is just such a great exercise. It's it, most people can do it. Um, if you can't do it because for whatever reason knees, you know, if you could ride a bike, that's fine. Um, uh, bicycle riding could be a little bit more dangerous these days with people texting while they're driving. Uh, but um, but yeah, anytime you know, things around the house. You know, the other thing I tell people when they're at they're home and watching TV, stand up. You know. Walk around, see, at least at the commercials, you know. Sitting um, itself has been shown to be uh, a problem in itself. So um. It's
0: amazing what you have come through and such a great example. And what you can be, what you can be, you know. Uh, you really can change your lifestyle and, yeah. and really live a long time. Yeah, for us, we, we put the, what's the station back in front of the TV. If we have to watch the news, at least we can exercise it. <laughs> make you feel guilty. <laughs> you, you got to do then. This is simple just you diet, activity, and then, then you sleep better, then you feel better. Um, yeah. So, so tremendously.
2: Yeah. And, and talk about you know stress. You know, you know, if you're really stressed out about what's going on in the world, don't watch the news. Mm-hmm. You know, because not a whole lot you're going to be able to do to change it. And stress. Um, you know, so in lifestyle medicine. We talk about you know eating a predominantly whole food plant based eating pattern, not necessarily diet, physical activity. Um, you know. Sleep, you know, your body does recover. Need need to sleep. A good seven hours is probably the best. You know, I used to as a, a night working at night. Um, a, a good day sleep for me was six hours. Now that's a bad night sleep for me since I've gone to nights. Uh, to, since I went to days, um, uh, but stress reduction, um, avoidance of you know toxic substance like. Tobacco, alcohol, things like that, drugs, uh, as well as a good community relationship. And that, I think, goes along with the stress reduction. Mm -hmm. That's probably why my mother is still 98. She has, there's never been any stress in her life she's a very most stress-free person and she always had friends she'd go out and she'd she'd play she liked to play cards and she had a group of friends that she'd go play cards you know a couple times a week so she had this you know so um i think that in itself uh she quit smoking when she was 40 44 um and fortunately you know she didn't
1: have cancer from it but uh, healthy relationships Well, thank you so much for doing this. We, uh, your story is amazing, and we'll—I'm sure our, our listeners will love to hear it. And uh, yeah, we'd love to talk more at a f- future date. And, and uh, we, um, Abbas and I, did the, the walk with the doc—a walk—and uh, that was so great. And thank you for doing that. <laughs> yeah, so, I enjoyed uh, it very much. Yeah, yeah.
2: and uh, I, I want you guys to both come back uh, next time. You'll be the uh, keynote speaker, uh, Abbas. You know, awesome. And then uh, uh, Yeah. And so I'll get some dates for you. That'd
1: be great. Awesome. Thanks again. All
2: right. My pleasure. Thank Thank you for having
1: me. If you have any questions for us or our guests, please reach out to us at our website, doc2doc.health. That's D-O-C, number two, D-O-C dot health. And there you can leave us messages and feedback. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you at the next episode.